Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the NK News Podcast. I'm your host, Jacko Zwetslut. With me today in the studio is Chad O'Carroll, the Managing Director of Career Risk Group. And please remember to review our podcasts on the iTunes or Apple Podcast app for a chance to win a free subscription to NK News. Chad, what have you been looking at these days? Basically, I've been working for the last few months on an investigation about a supposed NGO and a network of related and often unrelated social media accounts that ostensibly have been working to promote human rights in North Korea. Probably on the surface doesn't sound like something that you should investigate, but there were a lot of very strange things that came to light. So it's a kind of, a, what, agitprop, sort of propaganda for North Korean human rights and anti-North Korean regime? Is that what it is, more or less? In a nutshell, um, okay. yeah, it, it's basically an entity of sorts that sole purpose seems to be to try and create online materials that are widely shared by people on social media that are very critical about North Korea's human rights record, and also in particular about Kim Jong-un, the supreme leader of North Korea himself. And you say uh, online materials, but they are what? They're cartoon images, infographics, Mm -hmm. and videos. So let me start by explaining how this all came about. Sure. Because I think that will will sort of raise some of the red flags. I was followed on Twitter, it must have been late last year, by this organization called FHRNK. That stands for Human Rights, Freedom, and in North Korea, a strange transliteration. Yes. Anyway, I clicked on the website. The first thing that was a little odd was for such a depressing subject, the header of the website had a what appeared to be graphic designed, quite professional image of a beach and palm tree and uh-huh. like a kind of sunny scene on an island and that was a bit weird there the website seemed to be mostly posting like news clippings and also from which media outlets from uh mostly organizations like voa radio free asia etc okay so it's all in english in english and there were some translations in korean mm-hmm. and then there was some cartoons as well a couple of petitions nothing too odd okay really it looked like the work of a group of students how was the level of English in the cartoons and the petitions themselves? I would say pretty good. Not, it definitely didn't seem fluent, mm-hmm. natively fluent, which was a bit odd because the entity presents itself as a quote-unquote not-for-profit based in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. And it lists on the website six or seven contact points who all appear to have basic social media profiles. So they, they do look like real people. Yeah. So it's easy to think, you know, this is a group of students who are passionate about North Korean human rights. But then this steady flow of cartoons kept on popping up in my mm. Twitter feed. And I'm always curious when I see work of a professional quality because doing NK News, I know it's not cheap to get graphic designers to right. regularly produce stuff. And what was striking was that despite this steady stream of professionally produced graphics, cartoons, videos, animations, there was almost no effort whatsoever to promote this stuff. So, Mm. for example... So you mean it wasn't being shared effectively? No, no, very poor. Um, And normally if people are going to make effort in designing things, you know, they share it everywhere. Especially if it costs money. Especially if it costs money. And if if you're a volunteer, you share it even more because you spent hours making this stuff. Because you believe in it. And you believe in it. So that was a bit odd. Were these um, cartoons signed? Was there any uh, evidence of authorship? No. Originally, we didn't really see any signatures on them. Now, subsequently, 
when I started getting a bit more puzzled by this, I, I brought in the help of uh, my colleague Jennifer Dodgson. Now, she's based in Singapore and has helped on some of our big investigations. She's used to do our social media for us and so is really familiar with online social media, etc. Sure. She did a lot of image searches and found that there were some cartoons that were signed and yeah. there were these squiggly signatures in the bottom corners and they initially made us think that this group was just copy pasting stuff from you know newspaper syndicated cartoonists uh -huh. things like that when we started adding all the artwork together we noticed that the ones that were signed often were by the same designer but the signature was different every time uh -huh. sometimes you couldn't even read it it was almost like they deliberately obfuscated the name other times they were just these very generic names and always different now, when did you get the feeling, hang on, there's really something big going on here? Well, first of all, the subject of the cartoons was one of the first indicators. Who in their right mind is going to spend a Sunday afternoon designing an elaborate cartoon about how Jordan's just severed its economic ties with North Korea? Um, that does seem a very obscure, right. I mean, certainly uh, in terms of anti-Kim Jong-un cartoons, we've seen uh, civic groups in South Korea, like the ones that send leaflets, they do their own cartoon work too, don't they? Did you think it might have been them at first? Possibly, yeah. But then the, the, the subject matter was just too, too niche. Mm. And it was obviously being done by a group that is very familiar with the North Korean news cycle. Another example, EU sanctions on North Korea. Again, why is this something that a cartoonist would do an elaborate design on? How do you even trans shipping? Why would you? What? Why would someone do cartoon work on uh, sh illegal ship to ship transfers? Again, in their spare time, just that was a, a a first indicator that something really odd was going on. And it would obviously take some thought. I mean, I wouldn't know the first thing about how to visually represent EU sanctions on North Korea, right? It's it's not the thing that lends itself towards cartoonery. Not at all. And also, it was so closely mirroring the news cycle. I mm. mean, you'd have a story breaking on uh, one of these illegal ship-to-ship -ship transfers, and yep. then a couple of days later, one of these cartoons pops up. Uh -huh. The other thing that raised red flags beyond the fact that they weren't promoting it is that when Jennifer started really intensively looking into these images she used a technique which is called reverse image search where you basically right click on the image in Google Chrome and it searches the net for images that look similar most of these are uniquely posted so there's no indication that they've been posted elsewhere but uh. By doing this process enough, she started to build up a picture of this network of other websites, vectors that are posting the same type of stuff. And what was really interesting is that we saw stuff going in, in Russian, yep. Chinese, yep. Japanese, and it's always the same graphic. Hmm. So whoever was designing them was taking the time to make a what turned out to be very shoddy translation ah. and design it, uh, adapt it for that local country and then subsequently post those on other social media accounts, oftentimes not linked whatsoever to this FHRNK entity. Are we thinking, when you say shoddy translations, are we thinking Google Translate sort of uh, translations? Possible, here? possible. Um, Andre Lankov, our in-house expert, he said they were very, very bad. Mm. Chinese translator I spoke to said also the same. Interestingly, the Japanese ones, yeah. not so bad. 
what language is Japanese like? Korean. Korean, yeah. And what was the only language missing in all of this? Korean. None of the cartoons were produced in in Korean that whatsoever, is as far as we can see. Or at least, yeah, if there if there was a Korean original, it wasn't being pasted on these websites. Yes, we ca- we can't find that anywhere. Huh? Were there instances where we would see the same cartoon in different languages on the one vector, or would they always be separated? No, I mean, the FHRNK website does have a, a small Russian and Japanese section. Yeah. For the most part, this material is being posted independently. And what, what was really interesting as well is that while there are some accounts which literally do nothing but post this stuff, mm-hmm. there are others which appear to be having a lot of fake followers on Twitter ah. and Instagram that seem to try and make an effort to embed the content on a canvas that is more likely to generate mass interest. So, and they seem to be adapting this for the different countries. So it's quite funny. On the English, you had uh, stock photos of people's food and restaurants and and tourist sites. And then every now and then you'd get one of these North Korea human rights cartoons. On the Chinese one, you see like, if you scroll down this Instagram, you just see all these cat, cute cats and dogs pictures all copied from other websites, and then bang, North Korea human rights cartoons. The Russian one, you see all this very erotic, like like ja- Japanese-style manga kind of porno cartoons. You've, you, you browse through it all, and then human rights stuff. Mm. Now, those two things really don't work well together. What were the human rights images being hashtagged? That was another very strange thing. The The hashtags were often extremely irrelevant to oh. the content. So you'd have hashtags like lol, laughing out loud, next to a picture of a starving North Korean child. And it seemed to be, once again, an effort to try and tap into hashtags that are trending online or of things that general young people might be browsing. Yeah. So, so the vectors, the dissemination vectors for these pieces of agitprop, we've seen them on Twitter, Instagram, uh, blog posts. Are they also uh, popping up on Facebook anywhere? Interestingly, Facebook, we didn't really find anything. There was one or two accounts, but they hadn't been used for a very long time. Mm. Another area was Pinterest, which is like a kind of online social sharing thing. And then the other interesting thing was that in Japan, they actually set up a number of purpose blogs and websites that were distributing this stuff. And it seemed there was some extra budget to do additional Japan-specific material. So lots about the abductees and and so on, uh, Megomi Yokota and that kind of stuff. And do we have any idea what the volume is of these images is? I mean, how many are we talking about? Is it hundreds, thousands? I would say in the hundreds for sure. It started in May 2015, mm. and it, it's been going ever since. In January, I counted on one single account at least 37 unique pieces wow. of art. And we interviewed Gregory Pence, who used to be a cartoonist for the Daily NK, he said some of this stuff was so sophisticated that you'd be looking at about 20 hours of time to produce a single graphic. Wow. So, you know, some were admittedly a lot more simple and straightforward, mm. but, and then there's the videos, which, you know, video production is not cheap. No. Even for primitive animation, it's not the easiest thing to do. You add in the voiceovers. That stuff was, I'd say only, I've seen about 30, 40 videos, but all of them quite a lot of time and thought would have gone into storyboarding them, planning them out. Now, I saw two of the videos that are mentioned in your article. 
Uh, one of them, if a bomb falls in San Francisco, and the other, we have to send Kim Jong-un to the ICC, voiced over in English, um, which costs, I mean, I used to work in the uh, voiceover industry here in Korea, and I know that just renting the studio, getting the actor to come in, having a producer, an editor, that costs quite a significant bit of money. That's not just something that a hobbyist would be able to do. And as it happens, um, I did a bit of sleuthing myself. Two friends of mine who still work in the voiceover industry were able to identify the voice of the, the young man who did the, uh, the voiceover. So I called him up to ask uh, if he would remember who the client was. But unfortunately, he told me he didn't remember doing the jobs. Uh, he'd never actually seen the videos. He probably just was given the script and, and did it uh, without any, uh, any visuals, any visual cues. Uh, and he believes that he would have been paid by the studio rather than by the client directly. So unfortunately, we can't trace it back uh, very far. But we can say that, yeah, clearly it was produced professionally because a professional voiceover actor who doesn't do this stuff for fun, you know, he was brought in and paid and, and did the job. So there's definitely some serious money involved in the production. But it, it's strange that uh, the, the vector for these videos, I saw them only on the uh, video sharing website vimeo.com which is nowhere near as big as YouTube, is it? Right. So it doesn't have anywhere near the, 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 the hits. And, and when you do a, a, if you're searching on, YouTube, uh, on Google for something like this, it's more likely you're going to get a, a YouTube hit than a Vimeo hit. So it's a strange vector to be uh, sending it out, don't you think? It is, yeah. And I think it speaks to the shoddy nature of the distribution effort of this whole thing. On the one hand, I, the more I got into this investigation, the more a voice in the back of my head was saying, Chad, why are you wasting so much time? This stuff has had zero impact. It's clearly bizarre, but mm. at the same time, does it really have policy relevance when no one is watching it? But that was really what motivated me to look into it more because like you say, why make all that effort right. posted on a Vimeo website? And when at the time of publication, there were 14 views on each of those videos. Yes, and, and by the end of this week, I think three of them were mine. Uh, <laughs> the, the account name on Vimeo, if I remember correctly, was Iris West, which yes. is just a generic uh, English name. It's not related to the uh, FNH. Well, interestingly, the Iris West name, the, the way we found it was initially ah. it was posted on the FHRNK website as a person who was involved in that website. And for some reason, during the latter I'd say month, the last month of the investigation, that name disappeared from the website for some reason. Well, now, Chad, who do you think is producing all these things? To answer that, I think we've got to first look at where is this stuff coming from? And you've already given some very strong circumstantial evidence that this was being recorded, at least the videos in Seoul, in mm. South Korea, where we are right now. Right. At the same time, I sort of gathered a number of bits of anecdotal evidence which showed a few things. Firstly, on the surface, the FHRNK website, it says it's based in LA and it says there's a guy called David John, mm. another generic name, who yes. is behind it. David, I tried to email him multiple times. Over so there was an email address on, on the, uh, the Blogspot uh, website? Yes, wasn't it? Okay. and I tried to contact him, no luck. Mm. But when I got his email address, it was, uh, I'm just going to say it, enara13579 uh, at gmail.com if you'd like to try and contact him. <laughs> Firstly, enara, that doesn't sound like an American name. No. And also, as you know, in Korea, people often put birth dates in email strings. And I wondered if the 13579 might be someone born on the 13th of May, 1979. Now, that 
network, that email, when I searched it, it got links to another one called Linara. Mm. Um, that's sometimes a name used for women in Korea. Not too common, my Korean colleague tells me. Mm. But it also means this country yeah. in English. That alone is not much evidence. But I managed to, although this person didn't reply, there was one person on the website that did reply, a Spanish translator who I spoke to and asked what his involvement with this project was. And yeah. he, he said that he actually didn't know. He was contacted uh, out of the blue and he'd been helping, but he forwarded me an email that they'd sent to him. In emails, there's what's called an email header. It yeah. contains a kind of uh, fingerprint of where the email came from. The problem is when you send from Gmail, it actually hides the IP that it was sent and uh. uses a Google one. So that was one way we could normally find the identity. But also in the email, you see the sending time uh, sender's local computer system. And right. we saw that was plus nine, yep. which is the South Korean time zone. We also mm -hmm. saw that the, the keyboard character set uh -huh. was one that supports Korean input. Okay. Secondly, we looked into the images. I downloaded dozens and dozens of these things. Most of them were clean, but a few of them, the person who uploaded them had forgot to wipe the Adobe Photoshop information. And uh -huh. we saw again that plus nine time zone. And we saw it in pictures posted from 2015 right to present date from completely different artists. Mm. Thirdly, we looked into a Wikipedia account, as you may know, Wikipedia Records, who is editing stuff. There was yeah. a bizarre Russian language entry about FHRNK. Oh. The person who, they, someone had taken the effort to create u fake usernames to edit the bulk of it, but there was one per, one, one or two edits that they'd forgot to, to log in to make, and those IPs came from Gyeonggi-do in South Korea. Oh. Perhaps more uh, circumstantial, all of this content is posted daily between 1 p.m. and 5 p.m. South Korean time. So all of that together almost certainly suggests this is coming from South Korea. So the question is, who would pay for such a long-lasting effort? I spoke to 15 people working in the North Korean human rights scene mm. uh, in total now. None of them know who this, this entity is. And they all pointed out that even if this would be a NGO effort, they would they would at least engage when right. you try and speak to them. But there was none. I, no, I should interrupt and say that I also spoke to uh, a young man, uh, Che Song-guk, who is a a published cartoonist originally from North Korea who became famous in South Korea for his webtoon Rodong Shinmun, describing his experience of settling down here in Seoul. And he told me he'd never seen these cartoons and had no idea who was producing them. Right. So two of the specialists we spoke to and showed all this evidence to Daniel Pinkston, who has written a pretty extensive report in 2014 for International Crisis Group on the National Intelligence Service of South Korea. And Dr. Andrei Lankov, our, our good friend, both of them said that this almost certainly looked like a government initiative and both pointed speculative finger at South Korea's National Intelligence Service as being the source. Now, I should add immediately that yeah. We checked with the NIS. Uh, they don't normally respond to press inquiries, at least to us. Mm. And within one day, they came back to us with a, a one-line statement saying we are not associated with this. That's interesting. Okay, now this is where I now tell about my anonymous American source uh, who tells me that he knows an NIS agent working at a Korean consular office somewhere in the United States who was pushing this uh, type of material, I'm talking about the cartoons, through his own personal networks exactly a year ago this week. 
Uh, my source received at least three such cartoon graphics from the NIS agent who wanted to know uh, how successfully he had shared them uh, through his own social networks. And uh, uh, he said it was almost as if his NIS agent contact needed to write a report on the success of the dissemination of this kind of information. So we have at least one instance or one reported instance of uh, NIS involvement in spreading, if not producing, these images. That That's quite interesting. <laughs> I don't know what their response would be to that. I think another, well, one one of the other theories that we, we heard, which came from someone that works in the donor organization working with North Korea NGOs, who work, was just out of the South Korean army, yeah. he speculated that this may be a South Korean army initiative. Mm. And um, I'll just read out a couple of points he made. Sure. South Korea's army has a strong tendency to use young soldiers in their mandatory military service instead of professionals to mm. cut down costs, sometimes even to do ridiculous and un unimaginable things. I guess there may be a certain division in the South Korean army that is having a bunch of our cartoon major young soldiers produce regularly a certain amount of work online, I don't know, as part of anti-North Korean propaganda. He pointed out, unlike other government departments or places like Katusa or Rock USCFC, the South Korean army in general doesn't get its translation material reviewed by native speakers. Mm. And that explains for the work's crude quality of translation, as well as its often unsophisticated ways of expression and the imagery. If that's the case, then it also explains why the NGO's very strained tendency of not communicating much with readers and viewers online, which I think is very unlikely for South Korean conservative NGOs. That's, that, that's, that does make a good point there, that the, any South Korean conservative NGO would have somebody in charge of international relations who would mm -hmm. be responding to some kind of email outreach, but the, the military might not have actually placed somebody on, the, on, on duty to do that. Right. And... One one of the things, uh, one of the, the people we spoke to that thought it wasn't the NIS pointed to the fact that this campaign now straddles two administrations in South Korea. It started May 2015 during Park Geun-hye administration, mm -hmm. and it's ongoing into the Moon administration. Now, that isn't consistent with the idea of an NIS that has reformed as it supposedly has and stopped this kind of stuff. Just for listeners' information, in 2012, the NIS was implicated in a major scandal prior to the elections in South Korea because it ran a similar, in many ways, campaign with many, many hundreds of usernames to try and discredit Moon Jae-in in the elections yeah. uh, against Park Geun-hye. But at the same time, I've spoken to people during the course of this investigation who suggested it could have been some kind of orphan project started by a small team in the NIS with a bunch of funding, the NIS doesn't need to keep receipts for a lot of its expenses. This could just be something that's fizzling out on its own accord. And really, the top dog people in the NIS may not even know about it because it's so poorly tra transmitted. That's quite possible. Now, you did say that uh, it's still ongoing. But since your story went live on March 6th, and I should, for the listeners, tell the, uh, the title of the story so they could find it on nknews.org. It's uh, the mysterious network filling social media with anti-North Korea graphics. Since that story went live, some of the accounts have gone offline, haven't they? That's right. This Lee Nara individual, their blog has disappeared, their email's been deleted. Some of the Instagram accounts have been deleted. Hmm. Some have changed names. Hmm which is very strange, and all of them continue to ignore every single message request I make. Is the FNHRK still up? Yep, their, their blog is still up. It hasn't been updated since late February, though, now. Hmm. The translator 
from Spain that yes. I spoke to after he saw the article we published. He was very anxious about having been involved in this and and uh I can understand because he he I know he volunteers a lot for different organizations and yeah. to 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 be involved in something like this without rea- realizing that it's not what it says it is 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 probably quite upsetting. Your uh, article mentions the uh, the Cholima Self-Defense League. Have I got the name mixed up there? Or? Yes, yes. This was the organization that when Kim Jong-un's brother, half-brother, Kim Jong-nam, was assassinated yep. in Kuala Lumpur Airport last year, the Cholima defense, civil defense organization, apparently they emerged out of the blue and presented Kim Han-sol the son of Kim Jong-nam and said that they'd protected him and there'd been this elaborate pathway to bringing him to freedom somewhere. We don't know where that is. What's odd is that the usernames in this network have posted, I think, 10 or 11 designs, graphics, cartoons about Cholima. Ah. It's more that it's in my analysis is more than any other subject they focused on. During that whole period, there was a lot some of this stuff was pretty outrageous, to be honest. For the exa- graphics? The gra- yeah, there was one that portrayed Kim Han-sol as Kim Han-potter, Harry Potter, oh. uh, with this bizarre, very elaborate, almost like oil painting showing oh. Kim Han-sol. I- I'm not a reader of Harry Potter, so I didn't fully understand. But there was also another interesting one, a cartoon which told users, readers, what to do if they see North Korean laborers over, overseas. Ah. So give them this this pamphlet about right. Cholima and help rescue a North Korean or something like that, mm. which is not something I think most governments would recommend that civilians get involved with, especially when the only way Cholima can help is through an email address. Mm, yeah. Obviously, North Korea and South Korea have been involved in some sort of psychological warfare or psy war since the Korean War in 1950, and that includes leaflet drops, loudspeaker, radio broadcast, and so on. Uh, Often the target of propaganda is people on the other side of the border. Sometimes it's internal populations. But in this case, it seems that the target is exclusively non-Koreans. As you say, the cartoons don't appear in Korean. They only appear in English, Spanish, Russian, Chinese, Japanese, people outside Korea. Why do you think this is? What's the point of it all? I suspect that the point of it is to try and influence global opinion about how dire North Korea is, how dire Kim Jong-un is in every way possible. It, it's almost like an effort. If if South Korea were to have pursued a maximum pressure policy, which it kind of was doing at the tail end of the Pak Geun-hye administration, this would make complete sense within that framework. It's just another vector to apply pressure embarrass undermine north korea in any way you know honestly speaking if if some of these images had gone viral they could have had a very very wide impact mm. you some of these pictures you see at the front of websites like reddit imgur etc yeah. you know you can get millions of people seeing them and if it's a compelling design that can embarrass the north you know it's just one more way the authors of this campaign can discredit the north korean leadership so these videos and, and cartoons never appeared on, on Reddit? Uh, never got picked up? No, no. I mean, the, the, the best I saw, there's this strange website called Funny Junk, which is just for posting like random cartoons. They uh, had a few cartoons that picked up a few thousand views there. Huh. But again, this was one of the really interesting things. People on that website, it's the only one I've spotted where people, the, the other community of users... Yeah 
started scratching their heads saying, why Why does this, these users just keep posting anti-North Korea stuff? Right. And I saw maybe seven or eight comments from users asking the usernames, why are you doing this? We all know that North Korea is bad. Uh-huh. What do you think is going to come of this campaign of you trying to discredit the leadership of Kim Jong-un? No through, reaction? No, never any reaction. So it's basically, if I understand correctly, that it, it, it looks like an attempt to shape public opinion outside Korea. To, to drive North Korea further into a pariah status. But because of the sheer ineptitude in things like the language translation and in actually getting the message out in a viral way, uh, it's gone nowhere. It just looks like right. a, 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 what do you call it, a white elephant project in which a lot of money and, and human labor has been wasted, but it's gone nowhere. That's right. That's a really accurate way of, of putting it. One other thing that it did do that we haven't touched upon, which is a bit more relevant for policymakers, is there were several attempts to launch petitions, all about things that I would say more conservative-leaning folks in South Korea would want. For example, uh, there was a, a White House website petition to relist Kim Jong-un as a, the North Koreans as a state sponsor of terror. Ah. There was a bizarre multi-vector uh, campaign for Russia to end all trade with North Korea. Mm. Some of the I clicked on some of these uh, petitions. Sometimes five, six votes. Really poor effort. The the what one, was the biggest one. The biggest one was on the White House website. We the people. It's called. It's an official website. If you get over a hundred thousand votes on something, some organ of the U.S. government has to take mm. action. They got about 1,500 votes, but then the vote got pulled by the White House website. And when I looked into it, it seemed to be pulled because artificial voting had been involved. Oh. That's you- that's a bit more sinister because if those kind of campaigns do work, then it's a very clear example of someone trying to de- manipulate democratic government in as as has been accused of Russia so much recently. Well, indeed. Look, and if the best that they can get is 1,500 votes, they're not doing very well then, are they? No, I think they need to hire some social media specialists the next time they do this. Now, are you hoping for, uh, you know, in, in the wake of this story and perhaps this podcast, are you hoping that uh, somebody will come out and say something more about all this? Yeah, um, if you're listening and you do know anything about this, I would really appreciate if you could send me an email. It's chad.ocarroll at nknews.org. That's chad.ocarroll at nknews.org, two R's, two L's. I really want to get to the bottom of this. It, it It's one of those stories where I feel we haven't done our job as a news company because we've essentially, we're presenting an unfinished story, but we really did get to a brick wall. Mm. Uh, it's fascinating that you've been able to find someone that is involved with the voiceover. Yeah. Perhaps that can bear fruit if they're if they're able to figure out who the client was. At the equally though, we may never know, especially here in South Korea, where there are laws about defamation. That I've got to emphasize that the NIS did say that they're not part of this right. um, to us in their official press statement. So almost like a legal disclaimer. I need to say that there, there's. A lot of speculation about that particular yes. aspect. These are allegations that are at this stage unproven. Correct. Right. Well, uh, Chandra Carroll, thank you very much for joining us in the studio today. Thank you, listeners, for listening to our NK News podcast. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app for a chance to win a free subscription to NK News. Keep checking nknews.org every day for your North Korean news. 
This podcast was produced by Arias Dare and facilitated by Chad O'Carroll and Christina Kim. Don't forget to listen next week. I've been Jacko's Wetsuit. Thank you for listening.